You gotta turn your video off, Paul. Because bandwidth. Oh, okay. Please don't take it personal. It's a bandwidth thing. Originally, yeah, it was sure. a personal thing for me. They said no. They but. said no. Yeah, we, we couldn't handle that much handsome at once. Roll it. If flannel graphs worked better, then I'd say let's not use technology or the internet. Let's use flannel graphs. But unfortunately, they don't. Live streaming is not cheap overall period it's really all about connecting with people really it's lives and eternities hello world welcome to the church mag podcast the official podcast of church mag your source for church tech with your hosts eric die jeremy smith and phil schneider phil who's sponsoring us this week oh larry oh i'm i'm so sorry i'm didn't get the memo to you. My mistake. Uh, Phil is not here today. Um, next week. Next week he will be here. So I'll just... I'll, the, the pitch. I'll, I'll do the pitch. We're sponsored by... Got it. Okay. Uh, live streaming church. Ebook. Paul Allen Clifford. It's a guide to establish video streaming for your church. If you're a little church, big church, thinking about live streaming, maybe you're already doing live streaming, this is a great book. Check it out. Churchmag.press is where you can find it. 165 pages of helpful live streaming church information. Check it out, churchmag.press. Thank you, Eric. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye along here with Jeremy Smith. And whoa, hold up. We have another Phil in. Phil is out with the new baby, uh, doing all that awesome fancy dad stuff. He said he said in Slack, Jeremy, that he's having withdrawal symptoms. So I I think we're going to be back at it next week with with having Phil. So that's pretty cool. So this week's fill in is Paul Clifford and uh, Jeremy. You know what, Jeremy, you 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 do this because we recently there was an ebook, a thing and a thing, and I just feel like that I'm I'm somehow by introducing it and everything, I feel like I'm taking credit as if I did something other than show up, which is basically all I did with this. Should be noted, Paul, that I've invited all the guests and every single time he's like, You should yes. do it. You got this. I, I do, I do. <laughs> so Paul, you have written an ebook for us, but it's not like this is your first time engaging with ebooks or with the title of the book, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, in fact, you are not new to the internet in general. Um, first of all, we do have something on Church Mag, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but tell us a little bit about yourself. What should the people that don't already know know about Paul? Yeah, uh, so my name is Paul Clifford. Uh, on the internet, I go by Paul Allen Clifford because Paul Clifford is arguably one of the worst books ever written. So if you Google that, that's what you'll get. It starts out, it was a dark and stormy night, and then it gets worse from there. So that's why I go by my full name. And uh, I've been doing church tech since 2000. And uh, I own my own church tech consulting company, trinitydigitalmedia.com. And I concentrate kind of on two areas. ProPresenter, where I've got about 210 tutorials on ProPresenter on YouTube, and live streaming, because I also write for uh, Church Production Magazine, and also a little bit uh, for Church Tech Today and Church Mag. You're a little bit everywhere, and I don't mean that in the scattered brain kind of mentality. Um, but that being said, you've had a couple of specific highlights. And one of the big things I know that you've done for quite a while is talk about um, production online. I'm going to leave it a little bit vague with the medium like that in the sense that 
that's evolved since 2000 and production of the medium uh, or media in general, I think is like social media, but then eventually going into like videography, um, streaming, live streaming, church services. Um, so you've, you, is it fair to say you dabbled in a lot of different things as you've done church tech? Yeah, that is safe to say. I think of myself as a videographer. So that's why um, some of the video production stuff just works for me. Uh, some of the um, presentation stuff, that's that's fine. So I love ProPresenter, so that's why I've done so much in that area. And then I picked up live streaming almost by accident, actually, uh, that I was doing s- some podcasting because I've done that for over 10 years. And um, a live streaming host reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to live stream? And I thought, well, why not? And you know, seven or eight years later, here we are. So, And I feel like at least within the realm of live streaming in general, um, I feel like there's a pretty strong grasp. Um, I think that there's a whole lot of new adventure in VR that society in general, I know that we're going to be talking about church tech, but I feel like society in general understands what live streaming is. We got Facebook, we got YouTube, we got Snapchat, we got Instagram, all these different places that you literally pick something up and you just go for it. Right. But I feel like church production in general is a way behind the times period. And then how to do it online. It's still really trying to push understanding what it is they want to do. Would you agree? Disagree? What are your thoughts? Well, I I think you're right. Um, I think part of it is lack of understanding of the totality of the technology. More churches that I talk to than I can mention think that live streaming is someone takes out their smartphone, stands in the back of the auditorium, and puts it on Facebook Live or puts it on YouTube. That's their total understanding. Sometimes you'll have someone that says, no, no, we actually have a webcam that we plug into our uh, computer. And that's how we do it using uh, open broadcaster software. And that's also a possibility, but there are so many other possibilities. And so quite often I'll get someone that says, Oh, we've been live streaming for three years now. Now, how can I get an external computer or how can I get an external uh, camera into our live stream because I say we've been doing it for three years, but we've just been holding up a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And so that's really why I wanted to write a book about it to address kind of the full gamut of wide of live streaming, not only the smartphone end of things, but all the way up to you've got a big conference at your church or you're a big church and you really want to get into live streaming and you want to reuse your iMag feed, uh, image magnification, anything like that. Where do you fit in your church? I don't know, but the book that I wrote was kind of thinking, let's start with some churches have no clue and some have some and others just need a little bit of a push in one direction or the other and so it covers the wide gamut of that so, paul you said you started back in 2000 
um, what, what, what prompted that? I know that was just shortly after the, um, the passing of the Y2K bug phenomenon. <laughs> um, so just to, to kind of put in perspective of the time period that it was in 2000, what, what, what got you started? What drew you to well, it? Um, I was actually in seminary at the time. So I have a Master's of Divinity from Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. Um, and I took this class kind of on a lark, really, uh, called Technology and Ministry. And what you should know about me is sometimes I can procrastinate about certain things. And so I had papers that I had a paper one time that was literally an entire semester overdue. Like my professor should have failed me, but because it was a seminary and he believes in grace, he let me take an incomplete and I turned it in one semester late. Now, in stark contrast, I took technology and ministry and I'd run home back to my dorm room and I'd work on my PowerPoint presentation for the next week. And like three weeks in a row, uh, the professor said, okay, next week we're going to get into video production. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then we wouldn't, and I'd be really let down. So I started in this class, you know, noticing that I had this passion for using technology in the church. I just thought I was, you know, kind of a geeky guy. And then I realized, wait, maybe God made me this way on purpose. Maybe it's not kind of this silly little hobby. Maybe he can actually use that. And so that's what got me started. While I was taking this class, um, the video student worker uh, started working at a church called Ginghamsburg in Ohio, which was very advanced at the time. You know, they had a projector, which was crazy for a church to have back in 2000. And uh, so he started doing that, doing video production there. And so they needed someone. And I heard they needed someone, so I begged for the job before they could find anyone qualified. And I guess the rest is history. I just learned everything I could and went from there. And fast forward nearly 20 years, and it's just something that I get to do every day to create videos, create tutorials and ebooks, and all sorts of resources to help churches do what maybe they thought only high-end production companies could do. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think that any church with some creative thinking and some training and some vision can really use these tools to get the gospel do out. Do you think that every church should stream? Why, why or why not? Tell us, tell us your thoughts on that. Well, I think that there are certain churches that have kind of systemic problems that not only is a live stream not going to help, it will actually hurt. So I keep hearing these churches say, well, we don't want a live stream because we don't want to encourage people to skip on Sunday morning because we don't think that's real community. I'm like, if you had tickets to the Super Bowl and you had a free parking pass, no excuses whatsoever, or you could watch it on TV, which would you do? And most fans would say, uh, I'm going to the game. I got the tickets. I got the parking pass. There's no reason for me not to. And people act like church is different. Like, oh, no, it's totally great on, on TV. I, 
I really don't like having people hug me when I really need a helping hand or having an ear to listen to. I don't like that at all. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So that's one of the things is people will blame the live stream when they've got some other systemic problem. Another thing that I hear over and over again is people saying, well, if we live stream, we'll keep the kids when they graduate from high school. You might keep a couple, but I don't think that's going to solve the problem if there's you haven't let them uh, do any ministry. You haven't engaged them in any way. You basically said, well, when you're older, we'll let you be a real Christian, but not now. Uh, having a live stream, that's not going to help. Uh, and if you're Westboro Baptist Church, I really just want you to go away and please, please, please don't live stream. I don't want anyone to accidentally bump into your craziness. Just move on. So those are a few reasons why I wouldn't want a church to live stream. I also wouldn't want you to do it if you're thinking, oh, we'll just put 20 bucks in and maybe someday we'll think about up in that to 30 and that's not a month that's like ever. You know, if you're not committed to it as a ministry, I don't know if I want you to even start because I've seen public access video the church has put out where they spend almost no money and the message is obscured by how horrible it is. And so I wouldn't want you to live stream. Ooh, that's that, that's a good that's a good a good thought. Well, Expand that on that a little bit. So uh Maybe you've been to traffic school or um, maybe you've been to some sort of government created course where their theory in making the video that they show is this is so important that we don't need to put any effort into it. But what that actually says is this isn't important enough for us to put money and effort into it. I took a class for a permit I was trying to get, and um, it was literally lawyers sitting in front of a single camera reading out laws, like verbatim. This is what wanton endangerment is. This is what reckless is. Blah, blah, blah. Crazy. It made me think, oh, this must not be important at all because they didn't put any effort into it. I know that what they thought was it's so important that we don't have to, but it was the opposite. And churches do the exact same thing. This is eternity. This is life and death. This is the opportunity for you to get past addictions, to save your marriage, etc. So we're just going to have someone hold up an iPhone in the back of the sanctuary and not even plug in audio to it. And it just breaks my heart. It's like, they, it's hard to get past bad production, even if you're, even if you were interested in the subject. It's hard to get past it if you can't hear it. It's hard to get past it if you're straining to see. It's hard to get past it if it's someone's hand shaking the entire time and you can't actually make out where the pastor is preaching from. Mm -hmm. and, and I think so, that concept and that idea can be applied to, to, to so much, whether it be church tech, I mean, everything, you know, um, your, your, uh, 
your display of willingness to invest in something is somewhat, if not entirely, connected to the value that you place on it. Um, that that is a huge concept and and a, a very good thing to apply with something like this. Now, in the church tech world, there has been historically not so much right now. It's not the big thing right now, but I know for several years, church streaming was was a big thing. You know, all these emerging technologies, all these emerging companies, kind of a uh, a race to the top or maybe bottom, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, so it, it felt like there was a lot of pressure, a lot of peer pressure, if you will. What, what is your perspective on that personally? And I, I know all of us here on the podcast, we kind of have our different opinions on that and everything. But somebody who, who has a passion for doing this and doing this well, I'm curious to hear y- your thoughts on that. There's actually a chapter that I wrote in the book about this. Um, more than once I've heard a church say, we need to live stream, so we're just going to have to make do with basically a pack of bubble gum and a half used roll of duct tape to make the ministry work. And I, I just, here's, here's the question that I would ask. Are you sure that God called you to it? Because, you know, in the, in the gospels, Jesus didn't say, Hey, um, you know, we've got 5,000 people to feed and um, so what, what are you going to do about it? And then when they said, um, well, this is going to take, you know, like years worth of wages to make this happen. He didn't go, well, I guess you're just going to have to work for years and years to make that happen or not do it at all. I think, you know, if God calls you to it, he'll equip you for it. Um, and, so it might be going out in faith and spending more money than you really want to. It might be uh, being creative in how you're thinking. Or it might be saying, you know, just because the church down the road is live streaming, maybe God doesn't want us to live stream. We, we should maybe spend some more time in prayer and find out, is it just that we don't have the faith to spend the money that it's going to take? Or is it that... He didn't actually want us to in the first place, or what is it? And I, I think those are all good questions to ask. I mean, you know, it could be that he knows that uh, someone is about to come into money and will enable it, but he wants you to say yes first. It's not the case that he's saying, hey, you need to do this thing that costs a certain amount of money and you will not have any money to do it. And I'm not going to do any miracles to enable it. I just, that kind of thinking just gets on my nerves a little bit. Um, one of the things I always like to talk with people about is um, what things look like on the production process. I'm usually, and I think even with this book um, as much or more so, against talking about like specifics um, because the fact of the matter is, is that your book eventually will um, be out of date. And so spending Mm -hmm. too much time talking about like the text, the tech specs of things um, become really kind of mundane after a little bit, because we just don't know what it's going to look like after a little bit. Um, we can have a fairly educated guess, but really until we get there, we don't know what things will look like. Um, but at least for right now, you talked about the text, the tech specs in general. Um, what do you think about that as far as 
uh, church. Obviously, um, a phone is not necessarily going to give you everything you need. I would, I would personally say um, it's not impossible to do, but don't expect it to be of great quality. And in fact, um, most of the time, if that's where you start, if you're not producing something more pretty significantly, then you probably should go ahead and bail out of it after a bit. But if people were actually to say, okay, we're thinking about investing some kind of money, I'm not going to put any criteria of like their budget or their church size or anything like that. What would you recommend knowing just those base things? Well, in order to live stream, and this might surprise some people because they think, well, I just pull out my phone and hit a button on Facebook or hit a button on YouTube or whatever. Even doing it that way, you're actually doing more in the background than you know. So you need a camera that's built into your phone. Then you need an encoder. Um, And an encoder kind of crunches on the video and makes it, breaks it down into little pieces, if that helps you to think of it that way, and then sends it to your live streaming host, whether that's Facebook, YouTube, churchstreaming.tv, BoxCast, StreamMonkey, a thousand others, um, maybe not a thousand, but several others that could do it. And the people that watch the video, they don't watch it directly on your site. You're not sending that to your web server. You're sending it to a third party that then distributes it. Now, they might be watching an embedded video on your website, kind of like uh, a YouTube video can be embedded on the website, but that video isn't on your website. It's just kind of referencing the original on uh, Google servers. So that's kind of the basics, but I don't think that I'd want you to stop there. I think that video can get really, really tedious and boring when there's only one angle that you're looking at things with. So just as a first step, after the camera, I would add another camera, you know, kind of in parallel to each other and use a device called a video switcher to switch between them. So that way, if you have something going on in a different part of your sanctuary, then you had, um, you can cut over to that other video camera instantaneously. And the way that God has made our brains and made our eyes, we can't see a cut unless we're looking for it. So if something changes more than 30% or more than 30 degrees in camera angle, like your brain doesn't even notice that it switched. I mean, think about the last time you watched a movie you probably didn't notice the transitions unless you're a video person. And then you might have only noticed the transitions if you were watching Star Wars and they had a wipe because they're trying to do a different genre. But so using a video switcher enables you to switch between wide shots for context and close shots for detail and get a good balance of those. So, You could, for just a few thousand dollars, get a few cameras, uh, an inexpensive video switcher, and an encoder, whether that's a computer with a capture card or a standalone uh, encoder like uh, Matrox makes the Monarch, 
Teradek makes the video and there are a host of others and uh, do it that way. And you'll get remarkably better, a better live stream than just having a smartphone in the back of the sanctuary. So I want to, I want to note one thing because in the church tech world, we just did a little bit of a faux pas. We said the financial amounts, which is really difficult. And we talked about this on just a recent podcast where it's really hard to go to the elders, to the pastor and say, Hey, I think it'd be really great to upgrade this thing. Can we just spend in maybe $5,000? And I think it'd be really great if we could just improve it. It'll get your message out there. And it's almost like we have to hide some of that. Live streaming is not cheap overall period. And that's just like the base technology to do it as well as the monthly charges and service fees and not even for like the live streaming service, but then you have to make sure you have the internet that's capable of doing it. And then if you use certain software, sometimes there's a monthly fee that goes along with all these things, yada, yada, yada. For your end of things, Paul, if you had an elevator pitch, 30 seconds to talk to a pastor from one meeting to another, knowing that this is something that the pastor has already had a little buy-in, they still haven't pulled the trigger on it. How would you pitch this to the pastor, knowing that obviously every church has issues with budgets? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'd say that for much less than it would cost you to hire someone to run this. We can have a introductory system, one that would put out something that put out a live stream that doesn't get in the way of the message. You know, the, that I guess that's the whole point is we don't want people to look beyond the horribleness of our production to get to the message. We want them not to notice our production, right? I'm not on the video team because I I want people to say, Hey, I love that you used a star wipe. If people notice that I did that, then I've failed. What I want to do is I want to, get out of the way and let the gospel speak for itself. So I guess that's what I would say is it's, you might be thinking, Hey, this is a lot of money. And I'm thinking the, a professional coming in full time to operate this would cost you remarkably more money than what you're thinking is a lot of money. And if you could, you'd probably have no problem hiring someone to do this. You you wouldn't say, oh, you know, we really, really need a tech director. We're a church of 2,000 people, and we do technology, but, you know, we're not going to hire a tech director. Or you wouldn't say, well, we're going to hire someone, but we're not going to give him or her any equipment to use. Okay, some churches might do that. Uh, that happened to me one time. But in general, you're not going to uh, do that. So this, it's really not all that much money. And when you compare it to getting a really good video signal in the 90s or even getting a really good video signal 10 years ago, you can do it for a lot less. So don't balk it 
the price now. It, it's it's not something that is horrible. And if you don't believe me, ask your local television station how much they spent. And then you'll realize, oh, this is not much money at all. We don't have to pay for an FCC license or a transmitter. Just those things are more money than probably your entire church building cost. So it's really inexpensive when you put it into perspective. So for people that want to try to understand a little bit more about live streaming, first of all, um, if you're interested, the ebook is now up at churchmag.press. People can go get it. What would be your 15 second uh, sales pitch on that? Whether you've been live streaming for years or you're really afraid that the pastor is going to ask you to do it, live streaming church, this ebook will hold your hand and take you along the steps of the process so that your live stream isn't just passable, but it really gets out of the way so that the gospel can shine. So obviously you're not just live streaming. That's a big piece of it. And that's what you wrote about with this ebook. Um, but there's more to you. So where, if you had to plug one specific um, place where people can find um, or at the very least connect with you, where would they look? What's your one go to? Uh, probably the best place to go is Trinity digital media. Com. And all of those are spelled all the right ways. There's no silent Q or anything. It's this Trinity Digital Media.com. Paul, thanks for being this, uh, this week's fill in. We definitely appreciate it. Um, we probably need to have you on more often because, for two reasons number one, you have a lot of knowledge. And number two, I really like your heart and your attitude when it comes to this stuff. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for putting what's important first. Yeah. Look, if flannel graphs worked better, then I'd say let's not use technology or the internet. Let's use flannel graphs. But unfortunately, they don't. So it's really all about connecting with people, really. You know, it's lives and eternities. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag Podcast by visiting Church Mag Online. You'll find a link on our main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag. And while you're visiting Church Mag, send us a message. And be sure to subscribe to the Church Mag Podcast so you can receive an early release of the new show every Friday. We don't do that for just anyone. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Now I just want to see the Church Mag Podcast recreated in Flanograph. <laughs> I'm in favor of that. Jeremy, we know Phil, and I don't know if there's enough flannel in the world to make his graph. <laughs> He's so tall? So tall. He's like 20 feet tall. So tall. It's true. It's true. I felt like I had to bail you out there for a second. Just to <laughs> yeah, you, sure you went wide fast. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to say, Jeremy. I'm sorry, Phil. I'm on your side. Oh, no, don't put any of what I just said in there. Just do the tall part. <laughs> I don't know. When you said that the, you had another Phil in at the beginning, I was like, uh, no, my name's Paul. How, how have we gotten this far without you guys knowing this? I don't know. That's the problem. Yeah.